You're listening to What's Up Digital Lending, the podcast that explores the exciting world of digital lending. We make a deep dive into the most important issues and talk to the leading minds of the ecosystem. Welcome, everyone. My guests today in this episode number four of WhatsApp Digital Lending are Romy Ritter and Luca Frinani. Romy is the COO and Luca is the CEO with Exalone from Frankfurt in Germany. Beyond, Luca is one of the four founders of Exalone. My name is Konstantin Faritius and I am the host of this podcast. Exalone is a fintech company which has two clear goals, helping institutional investors to invest globally in digital loans and closing the funding gap to the disadvantage of consumers and corporates by building the technological bridge between institutional investors and digital lending platforms. It's a pleasure to have you folks here. Welcome. Hey, Konstantin. Hi, Konstantin. Great to be here with you. Now pay attention, please. The content of this podcast is expressly not to be considered investment advice, but is intended solely for your information. We do not assume any liability and will not share any profits. This being said, may I ask you, Romy and Luca, to introduce yourselves. May we start with you, Luca? Who are you? Yeah, thank you, Konstantin. I think one of the First personal things about me, the name is a bit misleading. I'm the product of, uh, you know, an Italian dad and a Czech mother, but I actually grew up in Frankfurt. So I'm an original Frankfurter, as they say. And yeah, I mean, my background is in credit and credit analytics, with formerly with uh, investment banks, and then decided to transit and, and change sides. Basically, I always call it leave the dark side of the force um, to do something else. So uh, I had past roles in, as quant researcher um, with fintechs and also as my last station before actually founding Exalone uh, as the CTO um, of a Swiss quant hedge fund, where we were uh, looking into different exciting spaces of the markets, always looking to uncover sources of additional returns. Um, and uh, as one of the uh, interesting spaces that we looked at, uh, we essentially looked into the fintech lending and digital lending space. And um, so that's where the whole idea behind uh, Exalone actually originated, because I'm personally convinced that um, You know, the future in credit is definitely digital. So I'm very excited about the whole space that is emerging around it, the entire fintech lending ecosystem. And yeah, my goal uh, is to essentially connect financial markets in a technology-driven manner. And so, yeah, the whole concept and the whole goal of Exalone, as you rightly said, is the mission to close the global financing gap for individuals, private in, uh, well, SMEs and, uh, and also entrepreneurs. And uh, I think, you know, connecting institutional capital with the digital lending ecosystem is the best way to do it. So that's the whole idea behind Exalone. Okay, thank you very much. We will come back to this uh, in a couple of minutes and uh, deep dive. Let's uh, talk about you, Romy. Hello. Um, who are you? Uh, what's your background? Hi, Konstantin. First of all, nice to be here with you. My background actually is, uh, or who am I? Um, I'm a Rheinische Frohnatur, as we would say uh, at home. But business life or professional life has brought me to Frankfurt more than 10 years ago by now. 
So I've spent most of my professional life restructuring companies, doing post-merger integrations, and also uh, setting up a digital model with a startup back at that time, uh, which got me really excited about what you can do actually with digitization and data in terms of business processes. So I've been long time involved in process development and efficiency building for a company and also always enjoyed building up a team, building up an organizational structure. So this came as an opportunity when Luca asked me to join Exelon some years ago and taking over the role for operations and have been having operations since in the team. And my personal goal with that is building up a company in a scalable manner and really looking forward to shape the industry of digital lending and seeing where yeah, data and uh, digitization is going to bring us in that field. Great. And thank you, Romy. Luca, you founded Exalon together with three friends and... Do they still play any role with Exalon? Where are they? Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> they're maybe not as visible as the uh, executive board, but rest assured, they're all operational. So it's uh, in total, we're four co-founders. Uh, we're covering uh, in total um, expertise in the role of capital markets in terms of uh, you know legal banking law, uh, as well as AI and machine learning. And uh, so all of the four co-founders, uh, which are Greg, Tom, and Andreas and myself, you know, we're all very much involved. But yeah, running day-to-day -day operations with Excel alone, uh, you know, gives me more visibility probably than the others. Okay. <laughs> okay. And uh, by the way, what does Exalone mean? Oh, that's a very good question. So I'd like to flip the question on its head. Do you know what Exa might be? No. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the idea is a bit inspired by Google in a way. So XR, you know, the number prefixes, maybe from, you know, mega, megabyte, mm -hmm. gigabyte. And so if you continue down that path from giga, you get to peta, to terra, or to terra, to peta, to exa. So it's a number prefix. Okay, oh, great invention. <laughs> okay, let's uh, deep dive. We have already heard a little bit about Exalon's business model and what I have found out uh, about your products is especially Loan Sweeper. I think this is uh, one of your major projects. What is it? What do I have to understand when I read Loan Sweeper? Yeah, so Loan Sweeper is our product. So ultimately, you know, we as Exalon were a technology provider in digital lending and in credit analytics. So what we do is we operate a global data ecosystem with more than 70 million individual loan records by now. And we strive to digitize the refinancing processes for lenders all in a bit to make connection between institutional capital and fintech lending more seamless. And we leverage big data and machine learning to provide a fully digital infrastructure uh, with a unique risk assessment uh, of each single loan through Loan Sweeper. So Loan Sweeper is that part of the digital infrastructure that we give to institutional investors to connect to different or multiple fintech loan originators. And it is all powered by a, a self-developed or proprietary set of uh, machine learning and credit scoring models and algorithms, which we run in order to uh, give unique insights to institutional investors and all the users that are using, uh, that are using the Loan Sweeper platform. Ah, okay. And uh, is it somehow regulated or is it just the software? How do I have to take this? 
so far we are not regulated as mm -hmm. such. So we're really the technology provider mm -hmm. and our core competence is in crunching a lot of numbers, mm -hmm. enriching data and then delivering insights and analytics, relevant insights and analytics to investors. Ultimately, the decision or investment and financing decisions and also the strategic decisions on where you want money to be allocated, that is something that each investor has to decide for themselves. We just empower investors to make better financing decisions through LoanSweeper. Okay, may I uh, pose the question different? Uh, where do uh, have investors their uh, major problems and where can you support uh, investors with LoanSweeper? Maybe let me take that one. If we just look at some sheer statistics in the market at the moment, uh, we see that we have roughly over 1,500 players worldwide that are active in the digital lending space as uh, loan originators, lending providers. And for example, we have already roughly screened about 460 of them. Uh, so where we already have a fairly good picture of the market, what players are out there, what characteristics are specific to them, how do they do their operations. This is something that an institutional investor obviously would have to do by themselves if they're screening the market, trying to find a platform that they would like to invest uh, with. And you see that we have a highly fragmented market uh, in that sense with so many players on the board. On the other hand, you also have a very heterogeneous market as every player or every platform is exercising their individual risk scoring, their individual risk assessment, where institutional investors specifically need a higher level of transparency and also comparability between different platforms and the individual loan that they are investing into. And this is essentially what we're offering them. So we are bringing transparency in the market, we foster standards in the market, and with that also build on the trust of the whole digital lending ecosystem. Okay, and what does uh, the typical investor look like? Who is uh, keen to take this uh, technology on board? So yeah, I think that's a very good question. I think for individuals or private investors, that would probably be a bit uh, of an overkill. So uh, our clear target customer or target group um, is institutional accounts. And then depending on the individual risk preference of the individual account, uh, you know, it can be, uh, for instance, family offices uh, who are more taking a holistic view on a portfolio level and they're looking to add an uncorrelated puzzle piece in their fixed income space to their loan portfolio as an additional portfolio diversifier. So that's great. They can do that. Or you then have maybe, you know, more specialized accounts like debt funds or hedge funds who are looking for a very specific exposure to in a, in a bespoke deal, for instance, in a securitization piece. So they also have a requirement to, you know, run some analytics and get relevant insights, but it's entirely different accounts. But I think that's the beauty of our software. We help investors uncover value and really, you know, uh, browse or navigate those uh, this this very fragmented market that Romy just outlined seamlessly. And we make that happen with a lot of number crunching and data standardization. So we do the heavy lifting so that institutional investors don't have to do it by themselves. Okay. 
Interesting. Let's have a closer look uh, on uh, the other side, where the loans are originated. What can you tell us uh, about this? Uh, I have understood that uh, you are uh, primarily dealing with consumer loans and corporate loans. And uh, so what do we have to know about uh, the market size, about the quality, about the regions where you take those loans on board? Yeah, I mean, so overall, we are at the moment covering pretty much every European borrowers or lending opportunities in every European country, including exposure in Southeast Asia uh, with Indonesia, um, Vietnam, I believe, and Singapore as the main hubs, uh, as well as the US. So I think our coverage on the originator side is very broad, uh, which is also in line with you know, the marketplace that we propose. And uh, obviously, we're looking to add more and more asset classes or more and more uh, loan classes and loan types um, and also geographies constantly to our ecosystem. And do you exclude any originators because they uh, do not perform in a sense you uh, you like? Well, of course, we do have minimum standards that we're looking into. So every platform that we connect with is going through an initial due diligence process with us where we have an assessment on uh, the processes that they're performing. We have an assessment, obviously, on their loan book um, to see how performance has played out over the past. So we have a whole set of metrics that we're looking into before we fully onboard a platform to our ecosystem. Ah, okay. That's uh, good news, I would say, because it's not all plain vanilla in the ecosystem. So against this backdrop, I think it is a very important uh, information for uh, investors to to know that you fairly differentiate uh, the market. Yes, okay. Could you please briefly describe your investment process? So uh, let's take an investor. So how does it work? <laughs> to be uh, simple. <laughs> <laughs> so you mean, Constantine, if, if you want to allocate yes. your millions? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. So yeah, then uh, essentially you can you can come to us, and uh, what we give you is essentially the right technology to a identify potential uh, loan originators and potential uh, lending opportunities that may suit your credit profile uh, or your risk profile that you that you specify with us. Um, so we kind of give you um, give you an overview. Uh, it's a bit like you can think of it a bit like as going shopping on Amazon, basically. So you can browse through different uh, loan origination opportunities. Um, you can specify what your ideal portfolio should look like. And then we connect to your investment vehicle that you set up. That can be a fund, that can be an SPV, that can be any sort of uh, vehicle. Um, the preferences really vary across different uh, investors. So uh, we are agnostic to that. And then once your uh, investment vehicle is connected with our loan sweeper application, then you can do an instant matching of fundable loan opportunities, which we source from the loan originators that you know match your that match best and that match your interests. And then uh, you know we we fund uh, on a loan by loan basis and enable you to source the right the right deals, the right loans into your portfolio. Mm-hmm. And this is all based on your analytics toolbox, right? And you perform this election by applying this, um, let's say, scoring, correct? So I think the most important point is that we do not do any selection for you, but mm-hmm. we give you the tools 
so that you can do the selection. And I think that's the that's okay. the key part really here. So we empower you to set the right filters to really uncover those loans that are the right value for your portfolio. Ah, okay. There are high numbers of uh, originators, marketplace lenders, direct lenders who already uh, um, apply their own uh, credit risk management. How far do you take uh, the results of uh, this uh, measure on board? We don't. That's exactly okay. the point. So what I really like is that you can think of every fintech lender, every originator, they all have the secret sauce. They all have their risk models tailored to a specific niche uh, or to a specific borrower segment that they serve. So they are the experts on a very specific field uh, in the lending ecosystem. But if you compare it, for instance, when you look at established bond markets, you also have players, we call them rating agencies like Standard & Poor's or Moody's, who perform an independent risk assessment to provide some visibility, some comparability across the board. And this is exactly what we are doing with our own independent set of risk analytics. So the risk scoring as such from each individual loan originator, that is not an input that we take into account, but obviously we you know then look at the input data of the borrower of the loan application and then some uh, additional information and then we can perform our own independent risk scoring ah okay yeah that's uh, important news Uh, because uh, it shows that uh, you really do your own job and completely uh, separated from uh, what uh, the originators uh, have done before. Okay, can you uh, tell us anything about uh, returns and uh, what investors can expect? It is probably very tricky to put a specific number on returns mm -hmm. because the whole field, I mean, Already, if you're looking at different loan types, if you're looking across jurisdictions, the returns are very, you know, by quite some margin. Uh, also, depending on, you know, which currency you're looking, depending on, you know, which geographic um, positioning you're looking. So it's it's hard to put to put an exact number. And ultimately, it really depends on, you know, what kind of filters and how you, you set as an investor and how much risk you're willing to take. I would really more say that, you know, pretty sure this is very likely that there is a matching loan portfolio for everybody on our platform. Okay. Interest rates and uh, the pressure on the credit worthiness of consumers and companies due to the, to the current economic environment are likely to increase further. And this will clearly put pressure on digital lending portfolios. How do you tackle this with your uh, analytics toolbox? Yeah, I think the key is to be able to you know transparently have a look and compare default rates in specific segments of the lending market and i think you're raising a very important point because ultimately rising spreads rising interest rates that we've seen a they put more a higher return requirement um, you know from the investor side as a constraint on the originators And it's a constraint because obviously if the return requirements on the one hand go up, then obviously it's going to be more tricky to source enough loans, right? So as a fintech originator or as a fintech lender, you're kind of caught up in this balancing act between the two sides. Um, so far, I mean, we have seen that uh, in some spaces, the origination volumes in 2022 have not been as high as in 2021. Uh, I think that's fairly normal. 
On the other hand, I think the overall segment um, is still growing quite nicely, quite significantly, maybe not necessarily in Europe, but in other parts of the world. And yeah, so um, what we have seen so far, when you compare, for instance, the widening of credit spreads in the high yield market, so in the more liquid part, uh, or also in the corporate bond market, then probably you've had a spread widening of about 200 and 50, 260 basis points. Um, and from what we have seen is that most originators in core Europe have been able to pass on those interest rates and those higher spreads to uh, consumers or to SMEs. And so on a relative basis, fintech lending or digital lending is as attractive as before compared to more liquid asset classes. And the question is, you know, what institutional or what investors, what they make of it in the sense that, you know, do they still require even higher yields or do they have a preference maybe to shift some part of the portfolio into more liquid stuff now that you can get maybe, you know, a 5% return on a corporate bond? But that's an entirely old, different discussion and conversation to have. Ultimately, we really see that, uh, you know, the fintech lending market and the interest rate development and evolution in the segment has pretty much mirrored what has happened in the bond markets uh, or in the more liquid part of the of the market and i think that's also a fairly good sign or uh, interesting aspect for investors that on a relative basis the sector still remains as attractive as before okay you have uh, you have mentioned default rates can you perhaps be a little bit more specific yeah, I mean, uh, so far, you know, let's not kid ourselves. It's been over the past five, six, actually 10 years, mostly blue skies and smooth sailing and credit. So we see that in, in all parts of the market that interest rates are starting to rise. Uh, we see that also in, in some originators' loan books. It's normal. Uh, ultimately, this is going to be likely the first real test of credit scoring models um, of across the board and across different segments. We've had the first kind of test with, you know, COVID uh, coming along and uh, kind of also leading to a small spike in defaults, although that wasn't, I mean, it wasn't really pronounced, uh, also partly because we've seen a dramatic slowdown in origination volumes. So there's actually not that many loans to compare it with. But uh, yeah, I think on the one hand, in terms of maybe performance, you know, it's going to be a, a slight drag maybe on performance, all the more reason to be selective about the right originators, but maybe also to incorporate a macroeconomic view as in, you know, which countries, which segments do I want to lend to as an investor? So, I mean... You know, defaults are part of the business, uh, at least in, in, in fintech lending uh, so far. And, you know, there's just no business without without any certain risk. And uh, I'm actually fairly confident that uh, most of the risk models developed by, by loan originators and that also some of the loan portfolios are going to be in, in decent shape also coming out of this. And, um, you know, I mean, at least in Europe, we were able to avoid the recession, even though narrowly. So, uh, you know, at least for Q2, uh, you know, there is, uh, I would say, uh, not a significant deterioration ahead. Okay. Something I have to discuss with you is ESG factors. I have seen that uh, this is part of your analytics toolbox as well. How do you take those factors into account? What role do they currently play for institutional investors? Uh, they are pivotal. Thank you, Konstantin, for that question. 
The topic sustainability, yes, uh, it has become a very crucial factor for assessing investments by today. We see that, for example, sustainability ranks second right after returns, just in recent surveys that we have looked into. This is the reason why we have incorporated sustainability as an additional selection criteria also for investors that are using our technology. So the way we are looking at this is that beyond risk re and return profile of loan investment, it's also going to be crucial, especially when we when an investor is looking into a business loans to take into account the sustain, sustainability of the company or the project they're investing into, likely to say the carbon footprint, for example, of that investment. Um, this is becoming crucial for the investor themselves in order to fulfill their regulation and reporting that they have to do for their uh, products in the end. On the other hand, it is also an opportunity, obviously, for companies uh, to make them more attractive uh, when they're putting up, for example, sustainable projects. And it gives the platforms, lending platforms, an opportunity to play actually their USP in the lending market because they're at the heart where they have very good access to their borrowers in order to pick up data with the credit process, with the, within the lending process, and can use that actually as a competitive advantage going forward to be able to play with this in the loan select selection process. Okay. There is now a specific problem at regulatory level that we have already discussed in advance and uh, we need to discuss it here in the course <laughs> of this podcast as well because it is really important and it is really a current problem. Uh, the ECSPR, mm -hmm. uh, the European Crowdfunding Service Provider Regulation, stipulates in one of its level two texts specifying Article 19 of the regulation that crowdfunding service providers only have to indicate how they consider ESG factors in internal policies. That's it. I would say this is really a privileged matter. But uh, what is your say on this weak requirement, especially with respect to the ongoing ESG debate? Yes. Well, especially in the ESG debate, as you as you've mentioned it, uh, you always have these two sides. You have on the one hand side the regulatory requirements that you have to fulfill, but on the other side you also have market requirements that you need to fulfill. And what we're seeing at the moment is obviously we have a lot of pressure coming from the regulators that we have to push this uh, topic forward. That is um, putting a lot of pressure on the market with reporting requirements for all players basically in order to show that they have to do something and that they actually need to act on this but on the other hand even if i'm not falling into under this regulation as of now this will happen in the future for sure and on the other hand i also have a market pressure so what we're seeing in traditional asset classes if you want to call them like that This is already becoming the reality today. So if we want to play on the same level, on the same board, so to say, as we're doing in traditional asset classes, with, and we want to do this with digital lending, we also have to keep up with that trend. Same also the pressure will come from the investor side to say, 
what's your carbon footprint, what's your sustainability score, whatever you want to call it, this is becoming reality if we're looking at regulation or not. The market definitely is going to push this topic uh, also for digital lending. Yeah, this will be very interesting. And what we perhaps uh, can already agree on is that uh, in particular those originators uh, falling into scope and dealing primarily or, uh, yeah, primarily dealing with uh, or only with institutional investors, they have very rapidly to deal with the requirements in uh, the ECSPR, right? We will see uh, what uh, is going to happen uh, beyond uh, November 11th. Okay, let's uh, have a look on another part of your business model. There uh, is that very corporation with Enlight, which I really like very much because um, you guys try to fuse uh, digital loans with digital assets. Uh, this is a very important subject matter for the ecosystem. What exactly is it and what are your goals? Yeah, I think this is a fantastic question. And I think this is really to the point that we made initially when we were, when you were asking about, you know, who are the investors? And I said, you know, you can connect Loan Sweeper to any type of investment vehicle. So um, we're very excited that we can, through the cooperation with Enlight that we have, that we can bring real-world assets into the digital asset space. Uh, so in a way, we're connecting fintech lending also to the DeFi space. So uh, essentially, uh, this is uh, our take and also Enlight's take on the fact that there is innovation not only on the loan sourcing and loan origination side of the market, but also there is innovation on, you know, what is the investment vehicle of the future going to be. Um, and there are significant benefits of uh, launching or of creating a token or like any form of uh, security, digital security just in terms of uh, cost efficiencies of setup, uh, but then ultimately also easier transferability and also transparency and the look-through that uh, um, a digital structure provides. And uh, so we're very excited that we uh, yeah, that, that we have this partnership uh, with Enlight and that we can actually connect also fintech lending to the DeFi space. Yes, I think this is very valuable to the ecosystem and a very important step. It will make um, digital lending far more efficient and attractive, especially for institutional investors. Not only, but uh, especially. And uh, uh, as far as I have understood uh, what is going on in the market, they are pretty keen on uh, such uh, solutions because it makes the whole investment process uh, easier. Absolutely. And I mean, you, you see that even, uh, you know, even originators or let's say issuers like the European Investment Bank, I mean, they have issued a first digital bond. Mm -hmm. So this is, at least in my opinion, this is, this is clearly one big hint uh, of the direction that you know, things are going also in credit. Yes, uh, very good to hear this. Let's uh, come to an end. And uh, a very uh, last question for today. Uh, where do you see against uh, this backdrop, uh, the digital lending uh, space uh, in Europe in the next years? What do you think where we will develop? It's the dreaded look into the crystal ball, which we Absolutely. don't have. <laughs> yeah, so I think Romy and I, we agree that, you know, our assessment of the future is shaped around three key themes that we see. The three themes being transparency, accessibility and sustainability. Um, you know, with 
transparency that's going to really be all about uh, you know um, standardization of data having more visibility and a standardized look on on loan books and basically the whole ecosystem converging towards standards uh, for instance through e ECSP um, and uh, you know maybe some some other standards or like market forces also asking for more comparability across loan books Accessibility, uh, that's all about standardization and then also connectivity through maybe, you know, standardized APIs and common data fields, which I believe the VDK is also working on in, in one of its initiatives, which I think is, is really to the point. And accessibility, a big part of it is obviously also accessibility of the market through new investment vehicles. So this is definitely also a space where I think, you know, our partnership with Enlight comes into play. And then sustainability, as Romy outlined, um, yes, there are regulatory requirements, but ultimately there are, I would say, almost bigger forces, and those are just market forces, that especially institutional investors, they are making an ESG alignment and awareness of ESG criteria quantifiably. Um, a prerequisite in order to, uh, you know, to to commit funds. Um, so this is definitely a topic that uh, you know has to be embraced rather than rather than feared. I would say. So you, Romy, share his view, or do you have a, an additional view on this? I definitely share Luca's view, of, of course. I think especially when I, I personally look uh, into the sustainability part a lot, um, I think a key driver here is going to be the whole topic around data availability and data sourcing or data gathering. I think we still have a very, let's say, large bridge to build <laughs> in order to grasp that gap, basically. And this is going to be the biggest task for, for the whole industry going forward to gather that data, source that data um, on the one hand, and then also to assess it in a, in a way that makes sense. All this being in a way that is feasible and also in an amount that is uh, possible for the players to cope with. So this is the big challenge here, definitely. Okay, thank you very much, guys. And uh, just for the audience, uh, very important to know that uh, we are uh, going to have our fourth uh, fintechs on uh, September 7th, and uh, it uh, will be de dealing with a very important issue, the role of technology, data, and AI in the digital lending space. So it is exactly what uh, we have been discussing now, and uh, yes, we will uh, very much deep dive uh, together with uh, representatives of uh, politics, uh, supervision, and uh, of our ecosystem, and uh, yes, September 7th. So, thank you very much, Romy and Luca, for your time. Awesome. Thank you, Konstantin. Thanks for having us. Thank you, everyone, for listening. I hope you have enjoyed this episode. Please make sure you subscribe to our podcast, ring the bell, and follow us on LinkedIn so that you will never miss our podcast. Stay safe and sound and see you soon. Mm -hmm.